All right. Good evening, boys and girls. Good evening. Let's say it all together. Good evening, boys and girls. Good to see you all here. It is so good to see you here. Thank you for coming. I have a little um, lesson for you all. And how many of you have ever received instruction from, say, a parent or a teacher? You all have, right? You got some instruction? Okay, in um, Proverbs 19, verse 20, it says, and listen carefully, okay? Listen very carefully. It says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. How many of you want to be wise when you all grow up? You all want to be wise? You all want to be, yeah, wise. I think you all do. So it says, listen to advice and accept instruction. So when I think about listening, I know you are listening to me. You know why I know? Because your eyes are looking at me. You know, there's times when, uh, when I meet somebody, and especially some boys, especially, and some girls too, little girls, when, uh, when they come past after church and they shake my hand, you know, they do like this. Right? You know how that is? Yeah, you don't look the person in the face. That means you're maybe hearing, but you're not listening. So it's very important for you at times when you get instruction that you listen. Because if you're just going to hear and not listen, you will not grow wise. So it's important for that. I have an illustration for you because uh, it's kind of an important story that I would like to tell you. All right. I want three of you folks to come up and help me out and sit in those chairs, okay? Which three is it going to be? I know you will. Come on up. There you go. Sure, come on up. One more. That's two. Uh, who was not? Who wasn't the other night? What about you? Would you like to come up? Nah. All right. Come on up. Sure. Where you go? You can sit on there. All right. So, this is just imagine in your mind you're sitting in a boat. Okay, and you have oars. So you got to grab grab your oars, all of you. Each one of you, excellent, all right, you're, you're listening, you're paying attention, that is good, because you're going to be a little wiser at the end of this here. All right, so now you're sitting in a boat, and I want you to listen very carefully, and across over there is a big body of water, it's a big lake of water, and I want you all then to, I'll give you a push, okay, I'll push you into the water, and then you start oaring across there to the other side. Now, this is very important for you to listen. Look at me. In that water, there are alligators. Okay? And they use oars for toothpicks after they have eaten their meal. You understand? These alligators are big. And their mouths, you know... And you're gone. It's pretty serious stuff, okay? But you're going to travel across there. 
And you're doing a, it's going to be a long ways over. But what's in the water? Okay, very good. What's in the water? All right. What's in the water? All right. Okay, very good. We're all on the right page here. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to give you a push. And you guys are going to start going, all right? All right. Where you go? You got to get your arms going. Come on. And it's about 90 degrees outside. See, she knows how to oar. Yeah, look at that. Oh, you're really going. It won't take you as long as I figured because you all are giving her the very best shot. So you keep on. It's about 90 degrees. And then over here about, right about there, how many of you all like sunbursts? Yeah, what, is that not what they call Yeah, they're sunbursts. They're canny. You all like those? All right. So anyhow, you're, you've been oaring now for about, let's say an hour. And you are getting really, really in need of some refreshment, okay? So my question is to you, would any of you like to swim across there and grab those sunbursts? What? You're not? They're delicious. Okay, if you don't like those. What about... How many of you all know what these are? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, I'll put those there. How many of you would like to swim across there and get those? What? What about you? What about you? <sighs> Here I bought you a treat, and you're not even willing to swim over there and get them? Oh, me. Why not? Okay. <laughs> Who told you? There's alligators. Did you see any? Did you see any? Did you see any? All right, how do you know there's alligators in there? Oh, <laughs> yeah, very good, because you were listening. Very good. You were paying attention. And you all got quite a bit wiser by listening to me. And you knew, uh-uh, uh-uh, because it would have been just one splash. And oars and all, gone. Very wise choice. The illustration that I want to give you is every single one of us are in, uh, can I say, as we think about life, we all are going through life, right? And then there is Jesus, which loves us and cares for us and gives us very good counsel and advice. And then there is Satan that wants to tempt us, right? And then he wants us to to, uh, ah, never mind about the advice that you got. Uh, I would much rather have candy or something that I'm tempted with, and I'm going to swim over there. And there's many people in today's world that are getting bit by alligators because they're disobeying what we are, the instructions were given, right? So you all have really showed a lot of wisdom. And I could see from the bottom of my heart, you were listening and you accepted the advice. Because neither one of you have even seen an alligator. But you trusted in what I was telling you is true. And that is what we need to do as boys and girls. When we get instruction, because, just because you don't see the danger, you need to listen and take that advice in. So that the alligators don't bite you or something comes along and bites you really hard. Those bites are pretty bad. And Satan, in his smart attempt, 
he uses something that is kind of sweet sometimes to tempt us, right? Well, let's remember the advice we got, the counsel we got, the teaching we got about truth. And let's that go into here, in these ears, into our heart, and accept it as truth. So because you were so good, and yet you had all those wisdom, after the service, you can meet me out the back, and I'm going to share those with you. And you three make sure that you're the first ones through, okay? All the others are going to have to wait until, uh, so, because thank you for listening. And thank you for listening to the advice. And you saved yourself a lot of pain by listening to advice. And you didn't get bit by an alligator. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's, let's pray, all right? Let's keep our, let's bow our heads. God in heaven, I pray that you would touch each one of these dear children. And I pray that you would just bless them with attentive ears to hear the counsel that comes from you, Lord, that gives them wisdom, direction, and guidance in life. And so just be their portion, Lord, and, and anoint them and bless them and keep them safe and in your care. And all those teachers and instructors, guardians that are giving these children um, advice, I pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom in what advice and counsel to give. And so we entrust all to you. So bless him and keep him. Through Christ we pray. Amen. All right, you may go back to your parents. Thank you. All right. So tonight, I would like to greet you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. It has been a pleasure being here, and it's been inspiring to be here in song. And I want to just bless the choristers that have been leading the songs. You have been uh, inspiring us. And it's pretty evident that you were seeking the Lord in your selection of songs because they so many times were uh, a good uh, springboard and also uh, inspiration for us um, in the service. So our memory verse or verses found in Romans 14. Romans 14 Verse 17, 18, and 19. I don't, why don't we all stand together as we read these verses? As we pondered them throughout the week. Let's read them together. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. And may the Lord add the blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. All right, when we think about... Um, Edifying one another. And uh, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God. And I want us to think about um, that there is a way. It doesn't matter how you feel, but there is a way that we can and are acceptable 
to God. And I want us to understand that because I know that there are many uh, Christians through their lives, they question whether they are acceptable to God. And we doubt whether our, our spiritual life is what the Lord wants us to be and that our lives are what, what, he, what he wants us to be. And thereby we question and we doubt and we wrestle at times, am I in where God wants me to be? And am I accepted by him? And yes, God has a plan and a way that you and I can and will be accepted unto him. In Romans here, and I barely knew where to start to read on this one here, but let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to go back. Uh, let's go back to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 21. And it starts in saying, um, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, now listen to this, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So that there is a very inspiring verse, isn't it? When you think of even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto everyone, there isn't one excluded, and that includes you. If your faith is in Jesus Christ as the risen Lord and Savior and you place your faith and trust and obedience unto Christ Jesus, then that is uh, imputed unto you as righteousness. Because it is the righteousness of Christ. It's not that you are or I am righteous in ourselves, it is that our faith has placed ourselves on Jesus Christ and thereby God looks upon us as righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I realize I wish I could mechanically explain that to you, but I can't because it is a supernatural grace. But I want us to understand, it says not on just the Jews. And that's the argument that they were talking about here is Jew and Gentile. And they wanted to make sure that they understand, or the, the scriptures wanted to make sure that we understand that it is unto all and upon all. Jew and Gentile, and thanks be to God, that includes you and I. And so thereby, we can have the righteousness of God on our lives through Jesus Christ. But then it affirms to us and to uh, 
can we say, reiterate again to us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of you agree with that? We all do. And so that is important for us to understand. Yes, every single solitary one of us have come short of the glory of God. But then he goes on to say, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in my good works. Huh? There's people that are disagreeing with my preaching. <laughs> and they should. What does it say? It says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in? Amen. And that is important. And that is where we receive our righteousness. Is in Christ Jesus. There isn't an ounce of good in, these, in this uh, specimen standing on the platform here tonight. Not an ounce. Only in Christ Jesus. Is there any hope for righteousness in my life? Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. That verse I would like for us to understand is such a tool for any of us that have lived lives that without a doubt are, wasn't glorifying to God. And all of us as far as that goes. Because I remember when I uh, became a Christian and I shared my testimony with some very close family and friends about my salvation. And, uh, and I was all fine, but then uh, there was some very cutting words that came to me and said, well, you used to do this and you used to do that. And it used to be so disheartening for me because it was true until this verse came and it said, uh, sorry, for the redemption of sins that what? Are past. And you know, after a bit, when somebody brought to my attention uh, in opposition to my salvation, they, they said, well, you used to do this. And I looked at him and said, thank you very much for that testimony. You clarified just what the scriptures are saying. I used to, but I don't anymore. So by them saying what they were saying was to be degrading and challenging me on my uh, salvation. All I could say is thank you for that clarification. You used to do that. Thank you. God bless you for affirming that. And the steam went out of their engine rather quickly. Because as a thank you, you just verify. So that, that is an inspiration. But then I could rest in the fact 
that yes, that is past, but today my life is in Christ Jesus and the only hope of righteousness in my life is through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross and that my sins are washed away and within me there is the Spirit of God which Jesus Christ will then find on his return that will welcome me home into glory. Is when, he, when we are face to face with Jesus Christ at his return and he comes looking for his children, what will he look for? He will look for of himself. If he finds of himself, those are welcomed into glory. And what is of himself is his spirit dwelling within us. And he looks and he ponders and he looks. And if he finds of himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he finds of himself the spirit of God. And then that is by which we will be entered into glory. That's called the seal unto redemption. And that seal is the Spirit of God within us. And that is the righteousness that we can experience and express. It is only in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. Not a bone of good works will ever accomplish sufficient to appease God and to enter us into glory. It is his blood that will cleanse us and it is his spirit that will regenerate us. And it is that regenerating grace that he will find in us as we come to him at the end of our lives and thereby welcome home, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. And so, friends, it is important for us to understand it is the righteousness of Christ. In verse 26, it goes on to say, To declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. So Jesus Christ is the just one, and he's also the justifier in everybody that believes in Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's not fair, I know. Logically, it's, it's idiocy. But when you really think about, oh, but it, like I say, it's not fair. Jesus did all the dirty work by going to the cross, dying for sinners. And all that we have left to do is believe in him. And that dirty work will cleanse us by simple obedience and faith in Christ. Something seems a bit imbalanced here, right? Or so we think. And so then we start getting busy and we think that we need to do something to, to uh, justify us. Because it, it just doesn't seem quite practical. It seems that we, we sometimes think that we need to do good things to be justified before God. And that is an offense to God. If he finds us doing for the reason of justification in our lives, it's an offense to God. Why? 
because he gave his only begotten son to do what is needed to justify us. And that is the only way we are justified. And so it's important for us to understand that. So when I, when I, I would like for us to, to, to consider this. Um, how righteous is God? How righteous is he? Can I say, I know it's layman's terms, but 100% righteous. That is this line up here. That is the righteousness of God. I'm going to make a chart here. That is the righteousness of God. How righteous, so that is 100%. Right? There is no unrighteousness in God. Now, how righteous are we by ourselves? How, I'm sorry, as filthy rags. So what are you saying? There is no righteousness? Zero. Absolutely none. So we have to make this chart down here. All right? So there is a, lot, a big gap between us and God. Right? And so, we, so I'm going to make this in maybe 10-year increments. So every 10 years. So this is the first 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. The average lifespan for us is what? 72, 73, I think. Maybe that has changed. I don't know. So that is the average lifespan of an individual from zero to maybe 70 or, 70 or 80, something like that there. And if you're beyond that, you're off the chart. No, I'm only kidding. Anyhow, so what I'm saying is... So that is the lifespan of an individual. So we have righteousness here. We have our lives down here. And so when we come along, we are born. We are in the innocence. And then we come along to the, maybe the age of accountability. And that can vary, I understand. So at the age of accountability, what I will do, I will place the cross along here. And I'm a pretty poor artist. I should have my wife up here. So this here is the cross laid down over the span of life. So when we get to the age of accountability, we have a choice to make. And then we have to make a choice to whether we're going to accept the way of righteousness, which is the way of the cross, or to deny it. And by, by the way, uh, the older folks at the front here, do we have a choice into whether we want to stop our progression in life, in age? Has any of you figured out how to stop that? No. We, so we are. No doubt we're going to continue on. If we deny the cross here at, at the age of accountability, we will continue on in absolute unrighteousness as we journey down through here. And there's people that deny the cross all their lives. And when this chapter is closed, wherever that may be, this is, will enter into the pit of hell and this to the glory of God. 
So when we accept Jesus Christ, we now step onto the cross. By faith, we enter in and we step on the cross. And our journey from that day forth is called justification. We are gradually, day by day, as we go through and we surrender our will in the way to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are uh, sanctified gradually from glory to glory, is what the scripture says. And that means that we are, we have the luxury, if I can say it that way, as we are Christians, we are not perfect. It's not that when I stepped on the cross, if I can say that, or if I committed my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I start my journey by His grace and by, on His righteousness, then I, by inst by instantly I go to 100% righteous. No. It doesn't. None of you either. Okay? But by the work of His Spirit within us, he changes us from glory to glory through the work of the Spirit of God and cleanses and refines our thoughts and affection. How many of you, as Christians that have been Christians for a number of years, have had one straight beeline of just never fail to never falter, never fail? We just, you know, hammer down. We're all, the, we're, we're just going. No, as we journey, we have ups and downs. And there's times that we find ourselves in a, in a can, you know, it can happen. So that, uh, that's, how, that's how our journey can be. And what I would like for us to understand is from as we stand on the cross of Jesus Christ by faith, imperfect as though we are, what is in this here phase is called grace. Grace, it is unmerited favor. Other one would be called mercy. So grace, that means that, and mercy. And when I think of mercy, I think of judgment withheld. That is how I describe mercy. We do not receive what we deserve, and that is God's mercy. And so when God looks upon us as we are in Christ on that cross, he looks upon us and sees Jesus' blood, and through it he sees us as righteousness, or as righteous, not by our works. And that is grace, because grace to me, when I think of his unmerited favor, it's not because of what I did, it's because I'm on the, on, I, I'm in Christ Jesus. And if we choose to, uh, to ponder and to falter and to fail, thanks be to God that we have the means of repentance, that we can cling to the cross. And I think any of us that have found ourselves in these areas, uh, in, in however uh, weak we felt or wrong we have done, 
we clung to the cross, even though that we were not where we should have been, we clung to the cross and thereby by faith and then the conviction of the Spirit of God came to us and acknowledged that we are not following the way of righteousness and that is in Christ Jesus and we repent and thereby we can come back to the Father and we can find forgiveness. The only way that I feel that a person will leave the cross and go back to 100% unrighteous is if he by will denies Jesus Christ and says, I am done with Jesus. Not by our falters, not by our failures, but by choice, we can leave the cross and go back to the old way. By our falters and failures and by our weaknesses, and uh, then we have mountaintop experiences and, and all those type of things. We're not this consistent journey, on this consistent journey. But praise be to God that we do not need to leave the cross. We do not need to leave the way of the cross. And we can find our way back onto the cross. And so when I think about, I think it's in Hebrews where it talks about the, uh, a willful sin. There is no sacrifice for willful sin. What that means is the, the cross is sufficient. It is a sufficient sacrifice for all sin. Mark that down. The cross and, blood, and, and Christ's death and his blood is sufficient for all sin. There isn't one that is too high or too low that the blood can cleanse and refine without a doubt. But there's one that the sacrifice will and cannot cover. And that is my will to deny Christ. And that's what it means willfully separating myself from God, which is sin. That the cross and the blood does not cover. But our, uh, can I say, ebb and flow in our, our uh, wanderings and our, uh, whatever, whatever it may be that causes us to stray and to wander from righteousness, that doesn't separate us from God if we choose to repent and come back onto the cross. So willful sin is an extremely bad choice because that, it, you know, I think it's in Ecclesiastes there, it gives us the, that picture. No, not Ecclesiastes. Ezekiel is what I meant to say. In Ezekiel, I think. I should have looked that up. But there it says, you know, where we begin is, is important, but where we finish is much more important. We can journey Onto, on the cross, all the way up to the very end. And then if we willfully deny Jesus Christ and lose out on our love for Christ, and then we choose to say, no, I, I will not serve him. I'm not committed to him. He's a farce. I'm going to, I'm done. We can exit at any time we want. 
That's our choice. And that is by your will, you can deny him and lose out at the very end. But that's not what I want to focus on tonight. My focus is this, that we can be justified in Christ as we journey along the way. And so let us keep that in mind. Let us, let us continue. If we err, if we wander. See, how many of you 100% of the time have pure thoughts? How many? 100% of the time, you always have pure thoughts. No evil thought, no angry thought, no nothing ever came into your mind. How many? None of you? Wow. All right. Well, neither do I. So these things come upon us. How many of us always handled anger the way we should? Never spilled out inappropriate words. Always just, oh, yeah, no, none of us. So there is things that come along the way. How many of us all have, have since you're a Christian, have never sinned? Good. We don't believe in sinless perfection, which I'm grateful for because that's not the case. But we have to understand, friends, we will, we all come short of the glory of God. But in no way do I want to say that, um, so today I was a Christian, I made a bad choice, I'm not a Christian. And you just, uh, I'm a Christian today, not a Christian tomorrow. I'm a Christian today, Christian, not a Christian tomorrow. That's not how this works. As we walk on the base of this here cross, and we continue to rely on his anointing, and his grace, and his convictions in our lives, that is what draws us back. How many of you appreciate conviction? How many? Praise be to God. Oh, I welcome conviction. Let me mark this down in your minds. Conviction is not condemnation. Mark that down. That is brutally important. When we are convicted of a sin or a wrong in our lives, we should just rejoice. Because what that is, is we, found, we are wandering off of the path, the straight path, the straight and the narrow path. And we need something to enlighten us of where we are. And God is merciful and good to us and places that discomfort upon our hearts and awakens our conscience that we are not where we are supposed to be. So I had a young man, or a relatively young person come to me one time, and he came to me, and his, he was about six inches taller than I am, and he came to me, can I say, about three feet smaller than I was. That's how he felt. He was down, he was discouraged, he was, he was in despair. And he said, Willis, I'm convinced after, what I, after I'm going to tell you what I have done in my life, you will never look at me again. I assured him that that's not the truth. And he, he went on to say in tears, and he gave his, what the mess he was in, and he just didn't think that, that I would 
want to hear it or anything. And he, was just, he shared his heart. And after he was done, I, I, I was just radiating with joy. I was so happy. And I concluded his testimony of what, where he was in life. It was bad. It was evil. It was wrong. But what came to me as he was sharing, and when he was done, I said, praise the Lord. And he looked at me as though I had, I don't know what I looked like, but he just couldn't figure this out. And I said, praise the Lord that you are here sharing your story because it is evident to me that the Spirit of the Lord is working in your life. And that excited me. Not because the trash he was in, but that there was still spiritual vitality, there was still spiritual life within him, and there was the Spirit of God was convicting him and showing him the despair, the disgrace in which he was in. And he came and he shared, and he was delivered from those bondages, and he come back onto the cross. He never lost his salvation. I don't believe that for an ounce. Because although he wandered away, he always knew what was right. And he came to the point of despair and loss because he was outside of the will of God. And by that spirit, it drew him back into a right relationship with God. So let us not get sidetracked by the, can we say, the evidences of, of people's lives. So there is, it doesn't take much intelligence to identify some of the things that people are involved in, in sin. So when a person comes, so I could have said to this, and I'll call him Joe, I, I could have said to Joe, and I said, well, Joe, yeah, you really should not, you, you know better than to watch pornography. You know better than that. I could have taken that approach. He already knew it. Or when a drunk comes to you and says, you know what, I'm addicted or, or whatever. Or if, if you have an individual coming to you and, and they, they are just saturated with media in whatever form, possessed with it, addicted to it, they don't need to know that it's wrong. They already know it. What they need is an understanding of the Spirit of God that will reunite them onto the cross and bring them back on the straight and narrow way to Jesus Christ. And he can be delivered from those shackles of sin. But just because he erred doesn't mean that he lost his salvation. And I'm not Calvinistic. I'm not. But neither do I believe that the only way I can maintain my salvation is if I always do right. And I'm not justifying doing wrong. You understand what I mean? In no way, shape, or form am I justifying to do wrong. But neither do I want to say that the only way, because none of us achieve it, to be always on top. So by grace are ye saved through faith. And so we must understand, 
It says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Christ Jesus, unto all upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And so, dear friends, when you err and you feel bad about it, rejoice and find your way to the cross. And let's continue to live a penitent life. See, this, uh, I, I, do, I do not, how do I want to word this? I'm not as interested, yes I am, but I'm not as interested in when you have become saved. As I am is if you are continuing to be saved. Living a penitent life, meaning one that relies heavily as the cross being the only means whereby we are saved. Jesus. That is the only way. And so we want to live a penitent life, relying on the righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus that will make us righteous, not by the deeds. So I would like to, uh, for us to think about our position in Christ. When Christ, our position in Christ, we are justified. That is our position in Christ. We are justified. Romans 5, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto, or into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice and hope for the glory of God. Now, there's that word hope. Oh, I can only hope. Uh-uh. That word hope, I'll tell you exactly what it means. It means anticipation with confidence. That's what that word hope means. Don't let anybody say that you cannot know whether you're saved or not. That's a lie and it is an erroneous teaching. This word hope in the original, means anticipated with confidence. There is an assurance. So, let me read this again. By whom also we have access by faith in his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the anticipated confidence of the glory of God. Whew, that's different, isn't it? That's solid. That is sure. That is no doubt. And we can rest in that and we can rejoice in it. And so we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. God declares us righteous and forgiven. Not only do we, are we justified, we are regenerated. And all that is saying, friends, is that we have... We, so, how many of you know what a generator is? Okay. That's something that makes power, right? Right? The Bible says that we are regenerated. So there was, before I was a Christian, I was empowered 
by the energy, can I say, or the spirit of the evil one. That is what I was empowered with. And now as I become a Christian, I repented of my sin and now my, 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 the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, now is another source that empowers me. No longer the enemy and his power, but the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we just, we, so the Bible talks about three different spirits. It talks about the Holy Spirit, the evil spirit, and the spirit of man. And so the spirit of man is either being generated by powers from the darkness, or the spirit of man is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Which one is generating power into your life? It's not by what I can do. None of us have anything to offer and can do anything in our, in our own. We need to be empowered by a greater force. And let that be the Spirit of God empowering us. So we are regenerated, a new man, a new creation. The human spirit made new and possessed by the Holy Spirit. And we are forgiven. These are all our position in Christ. We are adopted into the family of God. We are now identified with Christ. And we're joined heirs with Christ. Dear friends, I could go on and on and on. The blessings and the joy and the graces that we receive by being in Christ. But it all comes from Christ, not from within ourselves. The adoption. I have a new family. I have a new father. And I call on him as our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's my Father. So I'm adopted into the family of God. And I can be secure in Christ Jesus. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. These are promises after promises in the scriptures that what we can uh, be assured. And we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So that is our position in Christ, not our current condition. Jesus said that he chooses not to take us out of this world, but that we, can, that we are in the world, but not of the world. Okay? So our position is still in... I'm still going to have to deal with Willis, unfortunately. I'm still needing to deal with my natural being. So that is my condition. I'm still in this world. That is my condition. I'm still in a broken world. That is my condition. I'm still in a place where I'm getting tempted from time to time. That is my condition. But my position in Christ is completely different. But my condition isn't changed. So when I got saved, I didn't go to the mirror and I was completely looked different. I, no, I still, I still look the same. I still have this thing on the side of my head. That didn't go away. So I'm just making that as a point. But, so that didn't change. So my position has changed, but my condition has not. 
So I want us to be assured, don't let the condition and circumstances what make you question in your position in Christ. Does it make sense? The condition in which we are in, we are in a condition of being conditioned for eternity. And that is called progressive sanctification. That is the condition in which we are in being changed from glory to glory. But our position is solid. It is sure. It is in Christ Jesus. And that does not change absent of your choice to willfully desert it. So being justified, sanctified, and then ultimately at the end, being glorified. So here at the cross... I am justified. As I journey through the, my, my journey up through the, on the cross, I am being sanctified. And then at the end of my life, I'm going to be glorified. Praise be to God. That is when we will find 100% righteousness. Are you looking forward to that day? Oh, me too. Uh, I, this, this whole sanctifi sanctification process is very difficult. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice and hope of the glory of God. And then look at what it says. This is what this whole sanctification is. And it's not fun. I'll be right up front with you. It's not fun. The Apostle Paul described it this way. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Do you see our position? Not our, not our, sorry, do you see our condition? We have our position in Christ. But our position is we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And hope make not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for me. It says the ungodly. That was me. He died for that reason. And so let us by faith claim that and believe in it and stand on the cross of Jesus Christ and allow him to sanctify us, purify us, and then, because we're already justified, but let him sanctify us and, and uh, condition us for glory. And he will do that through these various means that we so do not enjoy. We don't. But don't look at those as God condemning you, but rejoice in the fact that you are worthy, whereby he can work that type of work through you. That's what the Apostle Paul says. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I still can't quite feel it the way I read it. <laughs> We glory in tribulation. That's called purging, purifying. 
Let's rejoice in it. Oh God, that you can find, you know, that I'm worthy of this. And that we are in need of sanctification and purification. So in closing, friends, I want to encourage us. Let us not zero in on our condition and circumstances as much as our position which is in Christ Jesus and that we are justified and we are being sanctified and one day be glorified. And let us rejoice and cling to the, to the cross of Christ all the days of our lives as we journey through from where we receive him until the end that we can be glorified with Christ Jesus and find that 100% righteousness. No sin, no nothing, but glory and redemption and righteousness. Let's pray. Eternal God, we marvel. We are humbled with the reality that you love us and you care for us. And God, in our weaknesses, in our struggles, in our testings, in our trials, as we waver at times and as, as we stumble at times and we wander at times, God, I pray that you would empower us and strengthen us and enable us. And oh God, help each one of us with your amazing grace and mercy to empower us all the days of our lives. And that we would be assured by your promises in your word. So Father, I pray for each one present here tonight. I pray for any here tonight that have never made the step on the cross in faith. I pray, Lord, that if there is any here tonight that have not made their calling election sure, I pray, Lord, that you would prompt them and uh, encourage them and draw them onto yourself. And for any here tonight that are wandering and find themselves in a questionable place, I pray, Lord, that you would assure them by drawing them back onto the road of faith and trust, that they can trust you and, and uh, that you will bless them and encourage them and strengthen them. And so I lift each one to you. May you receive glory, honor, and praise through all of our lives. Through Christ we pray. Amen.